God is good? And all the time? Did you enjoy those stories today? Praise God for how he's working in the lives of people and how he uh, draws all men into himself. And I'm, I'm thankful for life change. I'm thankful that people find Jesus. And I think it's interesting as we say people find Jesus that we realize in Scripture, it's Jesus who finds us. And I'm thankful for Jesus. I want to start the service today by reading Psalm 23. Psalm 23. So if you would, would you read it uh, with me this morning as probably uh, most of us could mostly quote it or stumble with a few words maybe. But uh, would you read with me? Psalms 23 is right here on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time. God, we come to you today and we are honored that we have an opportunity and humbled that we have the freedom to open your word to hear your word for us today. Lord, we thank you for the reminder through stories. Lord, every person's story is different. It's unique. But their story is your story. How you reach us, how you lead us, how you guide us, how you direct us, how you provide for us. And Lord, I pray in the next few minutes that as we look at John chapter 10, Lord, that you would speak into our lives. Lord, I pray today that if someone in this room has never accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would make the choice to follow you. It's in your name we pray, amen. So find your way to John chapter 10, and in case you're new, and I know I've met a few guests with us today, my name is John, and I am blessed to serve as the pastor here, and uh, Wow, I'll be honest with you, I got really emotional watching those stories today. Did you guys get emotional? And I thought, uh, you know, from the oldest to the youngest, and then we ended with uh, Savannah. I thought she was going to preach in that video. I was like, man, she has got it down. That was awesome uh, to hear. And, and, And again, as maybe I have a Maybe a little different perspective than some of you because I might know a little more of their backstories and how God has moved in their life. But it just was a reminder this morning that, that God is a personal God. And we just, we just quoted Psalm 23 or read Psalm 23. And, and the opening sentence says, the Lord is, what's the next word? He's my shepherd. God is just not some power or being or thought out there. 
God is a personal God. And David, the psalmist in Psalm 23, realized that the Lord was not just a shepherd. He's not just the shepherd, but he is It's my shepherd. In every one of these videos that you watch, that's their story. They could quote Psalm 23 and not just say the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is the shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. And my goal this morning, the next few minutes, is I want, I want everyone into the room to be able to, with boldness and confidence, say the Lord is he's, he's my shepherd. And, and religion leads us into all rules and regulations, but Jesus did not come to establish religion he came to establish relationship so that we could say, the Lord is my shepherd. And so this morning, the next statement, as we're in this series, uh, I am Jesus. Again, as maybe you're new and you haven't been a part of this series, we're walking through the, the book of John. And in the book of John, he gives us seven I am statements. John records seven miracles of Christ. Then he records seven statements of Christ. And these seven statements of Christ start with the two words, I am. As you can see behind me, you can see on the screen. And these words, I am, would have point back to Exodus when God revealed himself to Moses through the burning bush. And he revealed himself as the great I am. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, after he had performed several miracles, proving who he was, he then declared who he was. In these two words, I am. Jesus was definitively declaring that he was God, that he was in the beginning, that he was the creator, that he, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are united, one God. And so in these statements, they start out, again, him declaring God, and then he reveals for us a characteristic of himself. And and so this morning, we are on number four. We've done bread of life, light of the world. I am the gate, or a lot of translations would say I am the door. And I appreciate uh, Carlos, our student pastor, last week preached a great message on I am the door. And today, in John chapter 10, just a few verses, I don't know if you knew this, but I was watching live last week. I watched it again, and I could tell that Carlos was struggling not to get ahead to the next part of the conversation. If you know John chapter 10, and I think he may have even alluded to it, this conversation is a continuation. And so I could tell the tension in Carlos as he's speaking, like, I want to get to the next point, but I, I can't. And so I'm, I'm thankful he stopped short so we could start it. So as he told you last week, John chapter 10 is a continuation, and it's really like the, the story behind what happened in John chapter 9, because in John chapter 9, Jesus met a blind man sitting at the gate. He was a beggar. He was poor. He was blind from birth. Jesus healed him. And if you read John chapter 9, the Pharisees didn't like that because a sign of the Messiah to come would be that he would heal someone that was blind from birth. So again, as Jesus performs miracles, he's revealing who he is, and then later he would declare that he is who he showed who he was. So did that make sense? It did, my, it did my head, promise. And so the Pharisees didn't want Jesus to be who he said he was because they had a good thing going. And they were greedy and they were selfish, and, and they didn't want Jesus to be Jesus. 
And so they have, they basically, I'm not going to get into the whole story, they excommunicate this blind man from the church. I love the picture, though, that Jesus goes and finds the blind man. I believe the blind man has already placed his faith in Jesus because he even asked the Pharisees in chapter 9, so do you want to be a follower of Jesus too? I love that part. They're like, no, we're kicking you out. Jesus goes and finds him after he's been kicked out. I think this is a picture of the shepherd that Jesus is always looking for the one. Do you believe? And in verses 35 through 38, the man says, yes, I do believe. And he publicly declares that Jesus is Lord. It's the same picture we see in baptism today that each one of these said, my name is John and I have decided to follow Jesus. And this is what the blind man did. And in John chapter 10, the first six verses, Jesus gives them a parable. And the parable is basically uh, about a shepherd, about the door or the gate, and about the sheep. And as is usual, uh, John chapter uh, 10, verse 6, says the, the, the Pharisees, the religious people, they were confused. They didn't get the parable. And in John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus begins to explain the parable, all right? So some of this is going to be re review from where we were last week with Pastor Carlos. So look at verse number 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door. Some translations would be, I am the gate. It's the same thing. I'm the gate of the sheep. All who ever come, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. As Pastor Carlos said last week, Jesus is the door or the gate to salvation. Verse 10. Again, Jesus, I think, is comparing and contrasting here in the next few verses not only Satan but also the Pharisees. He says the thief does not come, excuse me, except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I, though, have come that they may have life and they may have life more abundantly. And, and so here's where Carlos was struggling not to move forward in the conversation last week because it's the same conversation. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, as you think about the parable that Jesus is telling us here and telling the, the Pharisees, then he's explaining it here, these, these two statements, I am the gate or I am the door, they are the exact same statement as I am the shepherd. Okay, the shepherd is the door or the gate, and the gate is the shepherd. Okay, so in the context, they would have understood this, that many times the shepherd would have laid down at night at the gate. He was, in fact, the gate. The shepherd is the gate. The gate is the shepherd. Can we say that real fast? The shepherd is the gate. The gate is the shepherd. No, I'm just kidding. It might be funny, but we don't have time, all right? I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. And then he goes on, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And here's the contrast between, I think, the Pharisees and Jesus. Earlier, the thief, I think, is a comparison between Jesus and Satan. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Here's the reality for everybody in the room today, for everybody in the world today. You are either following the thief or you are following Jesus. And it, it's very clear in here, at least to me, it's very clear in here which one I want to follow. Because the thief comes to do what? 
kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life and to give life more abundantly. As Carlos said last week, eternal life, that begins at the moment you receive Jesus Christ. But he also doesn't, he doesn't want to give you eternal life. He wants to give you abundant life. The only way that you're going to find fulfillment and joy in this life is by following the good shepherd, by entering the gate. And so we contrast here, I think, the next few verses between Satan and, or excuse me, the Pharisees and himself. Verse 12, but a hiring, hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because the hireling does not care about the sheep. I'm so thankful that Jesus cares for me. And he's saying, and, and it's pictured in John chapter 9, when the Pharisees, the false shepherds, have someone that doesn't believe exactly like they believe, what did they do to this blind man? What did they do? They kicked him out of the church. Is that what the shepherd does? No. He goes after the one. All right, let's continue. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by my own. I love. So just two times in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? Lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? He knows his sheep. Jesus, the great I am, the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and life, the life and the resurrection. Jesus, the creator. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. Nothing that was made was made without Jesus. He, he knows your name. Wow. And I love the second part of that verse. Not only does he say that I know my sheep, but my sheep, they know me. Jesus, he wants you to know him more and more each day. That's why we're praying this year. God, I want to know you more. I want to love you more. And I want to share you more. Jesus knows you and he wants you to know him. Verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of the fold. Them also I must bring, and they hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. All right, so they don't like this. All right, the Pharisees are not liking this statement. Because Jesus is saying here that sheep are not just Jews. That Jesus came to save the world. All nations, all tribes, all tongues, all people groups. Jesus came for everyone. This is good news for me because I'm not a Jew. And Jesus is saying there are other sheep, not just Jews. They don't, they don't like that. In Psalms 2 verse 8 though it says, Nations will be your heritage. The ends of the earth your possession. In other words, Jesus doesn't have a Jewish flock. He doesn't have a Gentile flock. He doesn't even just have an American flock. He just has Jesus' flock. And I want to be in Jesus' flock, do you? It's for all people. Verse 17, therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful he was willing and had the ability to lay his life down. But he also says, 
I have the power to do what? Take it up again. He is alive. He is alive. That should excite you. He is alive. Because the good shepherd laid down his life for a sheep, but the great shepherd got back up. I'm thankful for the great shepherd. The chief shepherd will one day come again for his sheep. Aren't you thankful for that? We don't have time to unpack all that, but maybe that'll be another series, all right? Verse 19. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews. I love this. Anytime Jesus spoke, the Jews got mad, and, and they were like fighting amongst themselves because the reality is they knew the truth, and this, they knew this man was speaking truth. The problem was that if they believed the truth, the good thing, the money that they had coming was going to stop. And many of them chose the money and the power and the position over being a follower of Jesus. But let's get back to the argument. Verse 19, there was a division among the Jews because of the sayings, and many of them said, he, was, he has a demon and is mad. And this was kind of interchangeable in those days. If you were a little crazy, they thought you had a demon. And they said, why do you listen to him? Then the others, here's the division. Others said, There's not, these are not words of, of a man who has a demon. And then they asked the question, could a demon open the eyes of the blind? Again, the Old Testament scriptures would point that the one who could bring sight to a man who, or anyone who was born blind was a sign that he was the Messiah. So they're saying he's crazy, he's got a demon, and half of them are saying, well, how could a demon bring sight to the blind? And we don't have time to go through the whole chapter, but at the end of the chapter in verse 42, it says, many believed. And so there's this dissension. And then they, they continue the argument, and look in verse number 24. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Okay, I, I, there's so many things I want to say about the Pharisees right now. There's these words that come to mind, but it's not appropriate, probably ever, but especially not in church. Has Jesus already told them who he was? Did, has he? Remember, we read this in the first week of this series. In John chapter 8, verse 58, he was talking about Abraham. They said, how could you know Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. And remember what Jesus' answer was? Before Abraham was, I am. And what does I am declare? I'm God. They knew what he was declaring because what does the next verse say in John chapter 8? They picked up stones to kill him. And why would they have picked up stones to kill Jesus for saying, I am? Because the punishment for blasphemy, for declaring that you are God, is to be stoned to death. And here they ask the question, well, would you please tell us clearly? I mean, I would like to punch the, disciples, I mean, the Pharisees right now. There's another time I'd like to punch the disciples, but not here, okay? And what does Jesus say? He's, he's a little nicer than me. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness in me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and, they, and I give them. What does God give us? What does the good shepherd give us? For those who believe. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father 
are one. What a great story. Let me just give you three things that the Good Shepherd provides this morning. The first is this, the Good Shepherd provides salvation. This is what Carlos preached on last week. Again, as we think about these statements, I am the gate and I am the shepherd. The shepherd is the gate, the gate is the shepherd. And what did he say in verse 9? If anyone enters by me, if anyone comes to God through Jesus, the gate, he will be saved. Eternal life, a home in heaven, reconciliation between God and man, saved. The good shepherd provides salvation. The good shepherd also provides safety. What does it say there in verse 11 and following? The hired hand, the false shepherd, he doesn't care for the sheep, but the good shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Jesus provides safety. Nothing comes to us that's not filtered by the hand of God. What assurance is that? That even in the pain and the problems, there's purpose. I think Savannah said that in her message on her video, wasn't it? Even in the pain, there's purpose. God wants to use your story for his glory. The mess that we make can become his message. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that? But we serve a good shepherd who provides salvation, who provides safety, and then the third one, he provides security. And when I think of security, it kind of is maybe synonymous with safety, but I, I think there's a deeper meaning in this. Look at verse number 28. Well, let's read verse 27. My sheep are my voice, and I know them. They follow me, and I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And my Father, I and my Father are one. And it speaks to the reality of that when you enter the gate and you place your faith in the good shepherd, he gives you salvation, he gives you safety, and he gives you salvation and safety for all of eternity. Uh, Violetta, as she welcomed you this morning, spoke of grace. Grace is something we can't earn. It's something we don't deserve. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace. And, and Paul would write, by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're saved by grace, by placing our faith in the good shepherd. And what's awesome about this is that Although similar, as I can't earn my salvation, the reality is I don't have the power to keep my salvation either. My salvation, as Jesus said, no one can snap, snatch my sheep out of my hand. And then if that wasn't enough, and he says, oh, and by the way, no one can also snatch them out of my father's hands. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, Paul wrote about this, and he says at the moment that you make this decision, that you're going to give your life to Jesus Christ, he says, then you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit seals me until the day of redemption. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm also thankful 
that I can't lose my salvation, that I'm secure in Jesus. Hebrews would say it this way, Jesus is the author, like he's the beginning, he's the start, he authored it, he is also, what is it? The finisher of my faith. If I place my faith, if you place your faith in Jesus, if you declare and make him your good shepherd, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Are you thankful for that? Today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've never transitioned from he is the shepherd, he is a shepherd, to he is my good shepherd, can I encourage you to do it right now? I'm going to lead you through a quick prayer, and this prayer really has three components to it. And There's three really steps or components to salvation, and they're very simple. A, you must admit that you're a sinner. B, you must believe that Jesus died for you. And C, you must confess that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the good shepherd, that he is the gate, that he is the res resurrection and the life, that he is the only way. Admit, believe, and confess. If you want to do that right now, place your faith in Jesus and receive the gift of salvation right where you're at in this moment. I'm going to pray, and if you want to pray the same words I am, if you want to pray similar words, but you, you just need to talk to the Lord and say, I'm admitting I'm a sinner. I'm believing Jesus died for me, and I confess Jesus is Lord. You may say something like this, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. And I confess Jesus is Lord. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to save me. Will you be my good shepherd? If you prayed that this morning, guess what? He's no longer just a shepherd. He is your shepherd. Can you say amen to that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul tells a recounts, and, and I don't exactly understand through Scripture if Paul got to actually go to heaven, if it was a vision of God, but he, he spoke to God in some form or fashion. And this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Paul gives the story to the church at Corinth. And he talks about what we're about to do this morning, partaking of communion. And, and this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, in other words, it was the night in the upper room as the disciples were celebrating Passover, Jesus took bread. And then verse 24 says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It goes on to say that the, the, the blood was shed for salvation, do this in remembrance of me. And as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he gives us the three ideas, the three understandings, the pictures of communion, of what we're about to partake of. That is, that it is a symbol. It's a symbol of the death and the burial. It's a symbol of the shed blood 
of Christ. It's a statement that I am a follower of Jesus. This morning, let me just explain quickly. For those who are supposed to participate in communion, it's those who are followers of Jesus and those who are walking in fellowship with Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you're walking in fellowship with Jesus, the reason we take a moment today to partake of the bread that represents his body, the juice that represents his shed blood, is to say thank you. Thank you that he shed his blood so that he could be our good shepherd. And what I want to do this morning, I'm going to invite the band to come up here, and they're going to lead us in a song this morning. And I want the first part of this song to be an opportunity for you to respond. So maybe this morning you've never responded to the gospel. You could do it right now. Maybe this morning you realize that you're not really walking in close fellowship with God and, and you just want to say thank you. You want to you confess there's some things in your life that you need to get right between you and God before we partake of the elements. And so I'm going to encourage you. You can stay at your seat and pray. You can come forward and pray. Maybe this morning you just want to come forward and pray that as we have this next man up rally on Thursday that God just shows up and, and, and hundreds of people give their life to Christ. But let's use the opportunity as we sing just to respond.